Hey guys, welcome back for another edition of the podcast with me as always, Mitch Kurtz. And we're back for another round with uh, one of our favorite doctors. It's uh, Dr. Jamie Rickord. Jamie, welcome back and thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me back for another round. Mate, we couldn't resist after <laughs> round one. Um, <laughs> the gloves are off for round two, I think. <laughs> yeah, they, they absolutely are. Oh, um, I think the gloves can come a little further off, if, if you <laughs> ask me. <laughs> Bare knuckle facts, hey? We, yeah. we had a good chat last time. We um, we uh, covered quite a bit of ground on not just cannabis, but alternative medicines in general and psilocybin, MDMA, how they kind of work. But um, Well, I, I'm yeah. going to say this. As, as I put a marker in the sand, I think that the first round was us describing optimistically the potential for where this medicine both, you know, can go in terms of its therapeutic applications, um, you know, reaching that state of balance and homeostasis. I think you, you talked about it at length, Jamie, and I really liked that. And not to be um, a, a downer, but I, I feel that today we can maybe perhaps explore what is restraining that possibility and, and that hope and, and what is what are the barriers both you know, doctors, research, what is holding us back from getting um, further along in, in, in our knowledge and an understanding of, of this medicine? Mm. It's a really good question. Mm. And I ask myself the same thing most days. Mm. And then days like today. <clears throat> um, yeah, days like today really make it quite an acutely important question mm. but i think we touched on it um and i think this is like really the crux of the issue and we did touch on it last time and we were talking about psilocybin you know mm -hmm. and if if 20 25 milligrams of psilocybin in certain people can clear up decades of treatment resistant depression to the point they get better then in many ways by definition what we're currently doing is wrong Yes. And mm. that's the problem. If these, mm. if these deadly compounds that have been proved scientifically, you know, nuts work in the UK to be safer than everything else you can buy without a, you know, alcohol, cigarettes, certainly most prescription medications are safer. That's the science. That's the fact. Um, and then, you know, to still be treating them the way we are is that's, the question right and i think the reason is because it proves that a lot of medicine's wrong if the endocannabinoid system is that important that so many people get better when they're given cannabinoids then it is a major omission in modern medicine and for those facts to come through that we are correct and going to get people better the you know there's a whole establishment that has to admit it's wrong well and, and it's it's also i i agree hundred percent with with that take and i think that even someone who might be getting relief from these you know artg listed medicines approved medicines whatever you want to call them i think that even to the extent that somebody is getting some relief if that relief is in respect of, of symptoms rather than actually going and, and treating root cause of someone's medical condition i dare say it's wrong as well, because we're not actually giving the, that person the best medicine that we have available. But we know that, that there are 
there's a whole regulatory framework which governs what's approved, what's not approved, and we can we can jump into that. But I think just as a starting point, I, I think it'd be yeah really good to have this discussion around what what the barriers are. And I know yeah today of all days that that we've caught you, I you know I know you're um, dealing with. Uh, the divergence of views within the um, the medical profession and, and doctors. Um, I'm yeah well aware of this. We've we've had our own um, uh, interactions with with doctors who just simply refuse to acknowledge that cannabis can be used medicinally, and they just they just have a blanket aversion to prescribing it and think that it's you know crackpot science. It's it's yeah. But this is the thing, right? This is the scary bit because it's not crackpot science. Mm. You know, I can give you a, a whole host of articles from the New England Journal or from Nature that talk about the science. It's there. It's been written. You know, and it, like we're not talking about time machines. You know, we're not talking about warp drive. We're talking about, you know, stuff that people have been using for many millennia already. Mm. And now we have the scientific... Um, information receptors ligands physiological systems you know fmris brain scans for psychedelics especially to show that this is a real physiology and this is working you've got some of the greatest minds in you know neuroscience and psychotherapy saying well actually guys the psychedelics prove the basic freudian principles of psychoanalysis you know, like, and all the way through, like it's proved by this stuff. These are the medicines that prove the physiology and the, you know, how the neuroscience of psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, <clears throat> and it's still being rejected. But what, but what if you actually take all of those things that you have just cited, which to me, in many cases, clearly substantiate a therapeutic application for, for cannabis. What about just anecdotal evidence that these well, exactly these doctors are just refusing to acknowledge i mean it is literally the you know it's 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 the it's akin to putting on a blindfold and trying to talk to a patient and it's it's why why would you as a doctor not understand or listen to a patient telling you that they've tried this even if it's black market and it worked for them why would you Mm. I don't that's that's what I think we're trying to get to you know that's the question we're answering we talked about you know that statement in the Sydney Morning Herald that you know a pain specialist would rather send his patients to Dan Murphy's than to, to a cannabis clinic cannabis doctor right yeah now beside anything we know that alcohol is more dangerous than cannabis it's been proved scientifically mm. so to even make that statement beyond being a medicine is doing harm it's promoting harm because you're you're promoting something that's more dangerous on a personal person and societal level than cannabinoids are but i, and, I would argue that he he doesn't he clearly doesn't think that like he, he no, genuinely he, doesn't think that he genuinely doesn't think that i get it but that's what that's the question i'm asking right because we have the papers and the facts to prove that that statement is grossly inaccurate and in fact, promoting harm. Yet yeah, nothing's, the, nothing's yeah. happening. He, yeah. nothing is, no, there's no recourse. He can say it in the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh yeah, okay, ha, ha, ha. You know, if I went out and said, you know, these people by, by whatever should be having THC instead of this, you know, hello medical board, isn't it? 
Yeah. The whole well, exactly. and I, I, I think, um, you know, we're talking about someone in Professor Michael Vag, who he made this comment, I, I think, in a, we've talked about him previously on the podcast um, and actually tried to get him on the podcast. But yeah, he published a, a, an article or he was, he, he gave comments to an article that was published in, in March last year where he was effectively championing a movement seemingly to, to blacklist, uh, you know, blacklist medical cannabis um, among Australian pain specialists. And he, he had that platform because he's the Dean of Australian yeah, yeah. New Zealand um, exactly. College of Anaesthetists. So he has, you know, he has clout and it's just irresponsible. It's ignorant. It's reckless. I think one of the reasons I just really dislike the, the statement is, is because we have, you know, far from the, the kind of how recent medical cannabis has been available legally in Australia, there have been decades now of drug and alcohol research, which talks to the, the harm profile of alcohol in, in our community. And so to make such a, a you know, a deliberately ignorant um, statement like that is, is, is really disappointing. Totally. Um, and let's put it from a different perspective. It's unscientific. You know, it's 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 not evidence based. Yeah. And it's illogical. So if yeah. we, even if we just avoid some of the other words, it's not it's it's unscientific, illogical and it's not evidence based. Yeah. And that's the very thing he's accusing us of doing. And yeah. that is the question. Why? Why? Why is that happening? Do you know what I mean? Because because the, the very thing that we're being accused of, we, we talked about it last time. When I say to doctors, sure, I get it. There's not a lot of evidence in terms of RCTs and trials. And, you know, when we look at the reasons for that, it's because of the money involved in producing that evidence without getting a patent. Simple mm. fact. That's why. Right. Yeah. So sh sure, there's not enough evidence because we can't do it in the current model, given how much it costs. But we look at the evidence for for what we can prescribe, and we know opiates. Opiates are out. GPs banned. Don't prescribe them anymore. You yeah, know? there's been a big push, and it happened after I stopped prescribing them. But it's happened, so you can't be done. Well, Benzos, SSRIs. There's limited evidence for the use of this stuff in chronic conditions, right? Hmm. And sure, the same for cannabis. We can argue, sure, the same for cannabis. So what does that leave us with? Yeah, certainly well, he... not alcohol, Professor Vag. Well, you know I, I mean? I, I... <laughs> In the interests of, you know, being fair, uh, his, his comment was, and I'm quoting him directly, substances like alcohol are more effective pound for pound, but we don't have extended opening hours at Dan Murphy's for pain patients. I mean, what, 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 what to even say to that quote? Well, I, that's the point, isn't it? And for as long as that's acceptable and what we're saying is not, we are, we are, really looking at a very you know i don't see how it's going to happen mm. and then the reason is why why take why have such a strong stance when there are when there is science and there's been research and there are receptors and we can sit down and talk about the physiology can be mm. demonstrated by the clinical prescription of cannabinoids at the right dose you want to see this happen here give them this much at this time and look what happens mm. predict predictable because when a when a when a molecule hits a receptor and you know what it does and you can predict the outcome you know that's that's what the pain specialists do that's what the physicians do that's what the psychiatrists do and that's what we're doing 
just with a different compound. There's no difference. We are standing on the principles of medical treatment that we were taught at medical school, bar the evidence, but I use my right 20 years of training to give a prescription and see if it helps. And if it helps and causes no harm, then I will exercise my right to continue prescribing it as long as the initial prescription was appropriate, which is for a chronic health condition that has failed first line treatments. Yeah, it's gushing over. That's it. Mm. You know what I mean? And I don't get I don't get the rest of it. And I certainly I don't get why it's causing so much vitriol, you know? Yeah. And the, you know, just the um, the opioid um, problem that we've seen across the Western world, I mean, I just find it strange that, you know, someone who, who specializes in pain medicine, you know, seems totally okay with, with their use, um, which is, is just caused so much harm to so many communities across America and, and, you know, parts of this country as well. And yet, totally. you know, it's sort of taking lining up to, to take free pot shots. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's disappointing. I did actually, you know, in the spirit of, um, being fair and balanced, I, I think I said I we I invited him to come on to um, to the podcast, and he said, you know, I'm reading his email. He said, far from providing a balanced view about alternative medicine, it appears to be entirely about the benefits of cannabinoids thus far, and clearly has strong industry connections. Um, and then he went on to say, as dean, he doesn't appear in interviews, educational or otherwise, which are directly industry sponsored. And he has declined multiple other speaking invitations for the same reason. Now, I want to put uh, you know cards on the table here. We do this podcast voluntarily. We have never derived any income um, for doing it from a sponsor or anyone. We are here as an information resource to prevent. You know, we we, we want to give people. We, we can't, we, we don't see it as our job to speak on behalf of doctors. We, we get doctors on the show to, to tell us about what it's like. We, we have had pharmacists. We've had, yeah, we've had people from, from cannabis companies, but often they're just talking about what their company is involved with um, on a commercial and, you know, what they're up to. So, yeah, his allegation is actually um, completely false and, you know, I told him in as much words in uh, in my reply, but I said to him, you know, the purpose of actually inviting you onto the podcast, um, you know, is to add a critical view of medical cannabis. And that, you know, effectively, if we're only focused on providing a pro-cannabis view, then we wouldn't approach anyone who has publicly expressed a critical opinion, which cautions against the use of medical cannabis. Hmm. Um, you know, so I, I invited him to reconsider, but he never did. And, you know, frankly... What 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 can you what more can you do with uh, with someone like that? Not a lot. Mm. Why don't we do it? Why don't we talk about some of the negative sides of medical cannabis? And yeah, I'd actually love to have that on. I feel like it's, it. it's important to do. And do um, we right now, it. okay, go. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I honestly, I don't recall any single one of our guests ever coming on and just saying. You know, this is this is a cure-all. It's a wonder drug. Like, to talk about things in a balanced way. We've asked so many of our guests throughout the journey. When doesn't medical cannabis work in your view? You know, when we're talking to prescribers, what what are some of the difficult totally. 
medical conditions. So yeah, let's do five, right? Let's do the the five bad sides of medical cannabis. Number one, doesn't work sometimes. Doesn't work quite frequently, actually. So number one, doesn't do anything, positive or negative. Mind it just doesn't do anything. Yeah. So we've put we've put that to bed. Doesn't well, work. It doesn't break. Time. It doesn't then breach the Hippocratic oath, right? exactly which is the point i made earlier i give people a trial of something and often it doesn't work but it doesn't cause any harm so Mm. i'm happy yeah the same definitely can't be said for somebody taking endone for more than 10 days you know what i mean it's exactly yeah anyway which has been which has been curtailed gps are no longer really supposed to prescribe opiates for chronic pain fantastic so we've got panadol and aspirin and NSAIDs and physical therapy which is great that's that that is a good start NSAIDs can't use them every day forever so you've got what panadol physical therapy so after many years of modern medicine the gp can now prescribe panadol and send them to someone else to have osteo or physio or medical cannabis if they're up for it because the TGA allows it because of well, we're not even going to go into that. And the number one downside of medical cannabis is it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. I, yeah. When you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do number two. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Number one. It's part of an open and balanced conversation that I have with my patients when they come to see me. Number one, Okay. It might not work for you. Let's manage expectations. I know that you're miserable and you've been in pain or anxious or you can't sleep and it's been years and years and years and you've tried everything and you're utterly desperate. But I'm sorry, this might not be the solution you're looking for. Number one. Mm. Number two, there are side effects. Anxiety, dry mouth can make you sleep worse, may give you palpitations, can make you hungry, whether that's positive or negative. You can't drive because of the driving laws that exist in our country, exist in Tasmania. So it might be worth um, just outlining that we're, I assume we're talking about THC here. Um, Well, a bit of both, but THC mostly. Yeah. mm, mm. I mean, CBD has some weird and wonderful side effects, but mm, I'm curious. Not not often. What's the, if there are side effects, what would they look like for CBD? Um. So I haven't, I conceptualize it. So some people find THC can keep them awake. Um, They sometimes they get kind of, it's almost like a reaction from a nervous system that doesn't want to calm down, you know? So if someone's hypervigilant and they're really in that, for instance, and then you give them a medication that's, that is asking the system to, to relax and go into more of a parasympathetic place one thing I've noticed is people can have quite full on experiences, voices in their head, that kind of stuff. But I think that's just a defense system. It's like their bodies just do not want to turn off this kind of hypervigilance and it will do anything to, to, to prevent the hypervigilance being turned off. But that's a very much a sort of trauma informed perspective and much more one that comes up when you're doing psychotherapy with people. You know, it's not a main, I wouldn't say it's a mainstream paradigm that most GPs are going to learn about because it's not really relevant to their practice. So unless you're into the mechanics of mind and psyche and and different aspects to your sense of self and lost parts of your soul, which doesn't really apply to pain specialists or GPs, 
then there are very few side effects for CBD. Mm. Okay. So we're talking about THC. Yeah. Mm. So we've covered that, right? It doesn't work for everyone and there are side effects. So they're the two, the two, <laughs> the two major no, we're listening, we're listening. We're well, listening. Just, I'm trying to frame it, right? They're the two yeah. major problems of medical cannabis. What mm. are the two major problems of any drug you might be giving someone for any medical condition? Number one, it doesn't work. Number two, there's some side effects. Mm. So the medical cannabis is no different in that context from any other drug that a doctor prescribes for a patient. Mm. I think... So they're not really even downsides of medical cannabis, are they? They're downsides of being prescribed something by a doctor. Mm. And so then the um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's important to remember that approved therapeutic goods and unapproved therapeutic goods share something in common. They're both therapeutic goods. Exactly. Um, it's just that the unapproved is not known within uh, the system that that we have here in australia because the dossier of evidence has not yet been provided for dosing to treat a particular indication and that's going to be a lot of work because the publicly available information released by the tga provides that approvals have been sought for treating a patient with medical medical cannabis by australian doctors for in excess of 90 medical conditions now, if every single one of those medical conditions had to be subject to its own phase three clinical trial, which it would need to in order to be an approved medicine, you know, you, you see that there is so much work ahead. And imagine expecting that that work should already be done now when the industry is, is only five years old, thereabouts. So it's just there's like unrealistic comparisons. And you're also talking about companies that really don't have as much to spend. And, and I just want to actually just take a shot here at, at Professor Vag because, you know, while, uh, while you were just talking, Jamie, I realized Professor Vag actually spoke about a course in, you know, betterpainmanagement.com. You can actually look it up. Now, this is a course that he's been involved with. And it says on their website, we gratefully acknowledge the generous project support from the following organizations. You have Pfizer, Janssen, which is a, a you know a company from Johnson and Johnson, so I, I'm sorry, it's a hypocritical claim, and I can actually substantiate holding up a mirror to his claim, but he <laughs> has not yet provided any evidence to say that we are a sponsored show. I, I'm you know I got to call that out. I'm sorry, I'm just putting it's that part one. of the hypocritical oath. <laughs> the hypocritical oath. <laughs> I love it. Um, but you know, it's this is the thing. It's just it's just so full of shit. And, but, um, and we have but, to, to deal with it. We do. And this is where it's confusing, right? Because it feels more and more like science and evidence is only valid when certain institutions have said it's valid. Yes. Mm. So there's lots of valid science. There's books, there's papers about the endocannabinoid system, about psychedelics, there's trials, there are ongoing trials. Every major university in this country is now in a race to start doing psychedelic trials. You know, no one's thinking about poor old cannabis, which is a shame. Um, but, you know, there's a race on and there's a race on. And why is there a race on? Because there are Nobel Prizes to be won. Mm. Absolutely. And I think there are, I think that the system design that we have in, and not just in Australia, but 
you know, globally, I think it was paved with, with really good intentions. This idea that, you know, we would have the most comprehensive suite of um, phase one to four trial data, randomized control, all of, all of these things, you know, but it actually then creates these astonishingly high barriers for medicines to have to meet. And then it also, I think, creates perverse incentives for um, data manipulation. I'm not alleging that that, that you know, practice in, in relation to a specific medicine, but I think the system's design leaves that door open. Totally. And the other thing to remember is, of course, just... Yeah, just the the sheer cost of you know. First of all, you're if you have R and D departments at these big pharma, and they have to recoup their costs, and they're sinking hundreds of millions of dollars on you know global trials for a you know the next blockbuster drug. There is just so much um, on the line for for these companies, and cannabis is just we don't come from that, that place. It's, it never was. Um, I know there are some some big big players, but they're they're not doing clinical trials with that much money. It's it's not even in the same ballpark as as a Pfizer. But this, there's another point to make here, which is a retrospective viewpoint on the data that's been used to get some of these other medicines registered. Mm. So they did trials with opiates. Yeah, and now we're not allowed to prescribe them for chronic pain. <laughs> You know what I mean? We've yeah. done tens of thousands of people have been through for SSRIs and now there's a great push to psilocybin because it ain't working. Mm. So again, I'm confused because we're being asked to use a system that's already with, with hindsight being proved to be somewhat flawed. Opiates yes. are no good for chronic pain, but they were registered for chronic pain. SSRIs have not done that well for the treat. They help many people, but in the general clearing up depression and moving on and getting well no but they so, got through so clinical trials said mm-hmm. something so again this is what i find confusing i'm not saying one's either correct or not but the, but but it has to be logical has to be scientific and it has to be consistent yes and it's the inconsistency that i and you guys want to call out yeah and then what's more concerning is why why is that inconsistency present? Is it literally just unconscious stigma that mm. this stigma is so prevalent and so deeply ingrained that people are acting with stigma when they don't even know they are? I think there's a there's a whole socio-political element to it, especially when you look at the US over the last hundred years. But um, it, I mean, it is interesting to think about what you're talking about in terms of like if you want to say we, we're no longer allowed to, to prescribe um, opiates and things like this or potentially SSRIs, um, it seems well, like... we can't prescribe anymore. SSRIs, yeah. we can. Yeah, but it, it's, it's interesting to think of them as a more refined kind of synthetic drug, so to speak. Um, and they're now the archaic ones, whereas going back to things that we've had forever in the current form, pretty much, which is mushrooms and a, and a, and a, and a weed plant, um, you know, that's, that's like the future. And it's like, hold on, 
that that's the the least future thing I could think of. Right in the future, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's ancient. Like exactly, yeah. shouldn't have been stopped. Was going, you know, psychedelic sixties shouldn't have been stopped. Yeah, and no like reason all, to ban cannabis as a medicine. What and all, all the synthetic stuff is like uh, seemingly archaic. In, in, yeah, in, in but, their paradigm. yeah. But when a when a system produces that much inconsistency, that you know, the system design says, if you jump through all of these hoops, you're totally good to go. And then 10 years later says, oh, actually, we've got a serious problem here. Exactly. I mean, clearly what hasn't been built into that system is studying long-term effects of use of that particular therapeutic. Nay, I would argue logic hasn't been built into that system. <laughs> yeah, totally. But are we saying are we saying that opiates just don't work? They have no role in the treatment of chronic pain. No, no, no of course. They're, they are, although useful They're good for say, acute pain. Acute yeah. pain for. I'm speaking sure. uh, anecdotally here, not as a doctor. I um, I've I've come out of surgery and had a short course of of opioids, and that's fine. But yeah, chronic patients that would be seeing a pain medicine. I mean, Jamie, you, you can speak to this. What? It, it's just it's never. Right. It's, yeah, just doesn't. Here's a good little fact, right? Let's get away. Let's go to acute pain because I like acute pain. Um, because it, opiates work, right? That's why it's yeah. good to talk about it. Now, if you go to the UK or the US, whether you've snapped your femur, you've been kicked off a horse, broken leg, nasty, what yeah. do you get an IV infusion of when you get to ED? Fentanyl? Diamorphine. Mm. It's not used in Australia, but it's used in the US and Europe. What is diamorphine? That is two morphine molecules stuck together. What is that? That is heroin. Wow. Okay. diamorphine so in the uk or the us you get your snap femur you get an iv infusion of the best pharmaceutical grade heroin you are ever going to get your hands on do they worry about addiction when you leave five days a week later a week later nope is there any follow-up whatsoever that you're going to have a horrible addiction because they've been infusing the best bloody heroin ever into you since you broke your leg no no, it doesn't even come up. Discharged, off you go. Might feel a bit ropey for 24 hours, then you're gone. Mm. But one shot of heroin, whoa, watch out. You'll be an addict for life, you will. <laughs> it's, it's inconsistent and illogical. It doesn't mm. make any sense. Totally. And yeah, that's true. We are actually now, I, I love that you raised it, thinking about, yes, there are similarities across different jurisdictions but they all have their own rule book you know their own rule book but mm. it's the Ill, it's the illogicality it, the illogic <laughs> there's no word for what i'm trying to describe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get let's look at like what's the other example this came up last week because somebody i can't remember who but some great person approached the government about changing the driving laws again right mm. um and the example was used by the New South Wales government and our premier who who basically came out and said, yes, but we're not going to support it because we don't know if THC use was legal or illegal, even if they've got a script. And everyone went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah right. That makes sense. Doesn't make sense. If no. you have a dexamphetamine <laughs> script, you can you can be on the meth pipe all weekend. Yeah. If you've got an opiate script, you can smoke heroin all weekend benzos they don't even check if you've got a script if it comes up on the swab so the argument that i don't know if thc was illegal or legal is illogical and flawed mm. by virtue of what's already going on with that swab and the drugs that are on it 
Yeah. Well, this is my point. It's illogical. Sure, mm. your point makes sense. So you've got to ban people driving for using any of those other drugs that have a street version. Because they all have a street version. Opiates, street yeah. version. Heroin, yeah. dexamphetamine, street version. Meth, looks the same on a swab. No different. Line lights up, says opiate, amphetamine. Yeah. So it's illogical. The argument doesn't make any sense. Well, it's it, it's because we're doing it on a per substance basis and even sort of being forced under the legal framework to have to talk about street version of opioids versus, you know, pharmaceutical. I mean, it's the same, you know, like I guess from totally. my point of view, the, 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 the paradigm through which we should be conceding legislation of this kind relating to road safety is impairment that's that's it right just look at it through impairment that's that's all that matters that's why 0.05 and above matters that's why you know like i just i I, this is this is how it's done in tassie tassie you can is the only state in australia you you know all this the way you can drive whilst being prescribed a medical cannabis product and the, the 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 legislation just says to the extent that you're not impaired this is permissible well, one of David Halburn's great facts that he told me was that when the, the alcohol, the drink driving laws came in, road fatalities tanked. It mm. revolutionized our roads. Right decision to make. No argument. The drug driving laws came in. Nothing changed. Yeah. Not one single stat. So clearly it's had no effects on road safety whatsoever. So therefore it is illogical to argue that it was done for road safety. Mm. And back to your point about impairment, I agree. But we have a system that can pick and choose based on, I don't know what, because opiates prescribed or unprescribed to the policeman by the side of the road, it's the same line, Mm. swab line, dexamphetamine, methamphetamine benzos whether it's illegal or an illegal script it's just yeah. it's a line so the cop of the policeman gets a line yeah you know now if it's opiates benzos or amphetamines what do they do to find out whether they've been on the ice pipe or they they have adhd and prescribed amphetamine mm. and so then to say that they're not going to do that for thc that's just open to every kind of abuse yes it doesn't make sense it's it's completely flawed in fact it's, no you either don't do it or you do it. You can't pick and choose depending on political climate or, or what people think. That, that's not how society should work. Mm. But it is how society works, as we're proving. And, and I, Same I, with cannabinoid prescriptions. A, yeah. As a tail end on that thought as well, is like it's one thing for the drug driving laws to have not achieved the object of road safety, but it's another thing altogether where actually those laws have caused needless harm to the lives of people who have had to come before the courts that, you know, you referenced earlier, um, magistrate David Helpern, you know, that the, you know, the, the, these magistrates are in a really unenviable position. They know these laws aren't working to, to achieve the object that they want to. And instead there's all these people, you know, getting convicted who, you know that that that's that hangs over them and prevents them from gaining meaningful employment and and all sorts yeah. of unintended consequences. They can't leave. They can't enter a um, maybe a, a foreign country like America or something because yeah. they have a it, it's a record. Yeah, and I'm just as you're speaking, I'm just reflecting and thinking that you know I was thinking about doctors. We have a fairly central ethical premise of doing no harm, and mm. I sus- 
suspect magistrates probably have a similar one. Yeah. I, politicians don't, obviously. <laughs> no. But that's that's the thing. We're, these these are fairly serious. Like most people who are doctors take that very seriously. Mm. But that's what we do all day, you know. And to cast aspersions about our characters or our professional capabilities because we prescribe cannabis. If you make a complaint against me and want me struck off because I'm an abortion doctor, you're in big trouble. Yeah. That complaint is valid because I'm prescribing CBD THC. And that's the point. It's, it's, it's actually showing the very issue of how our society is constructed because, oh no, that's valid. He cannot like what you're doing doctor because he's prescribed, you're prescribing cannabinoids and we agree. But if it's, if it's things like abortion, that doesn't fly. You call me and make a complaint that I've, I'm doing something that you don't like you you're in there talking to whoever because part of being a doctor is tolerating different people's views and opinions being able to find the middle ground for the benefit of one's patients in order to do no harm well let's talk about that for a sec because this is this is this area where I'm I'm very interested in you know the the fact that because medical cannabis is an unapproved therapeutic good I imagine that those who um, for ideological reasons where I just firmly believe that they're brainwashed by what Nixon started back in the sixties, the war on drugs, but the stigma that they attach to, to this, um, to cannabis is that it could never possibly be used therapeutically. And so they, they've, they've got that ideological bend. And so I have heard from the field that they, you know, people, doctors like this will happily complain about doctors who prescribe and this is just i mean uh, this is yet another barrier as we're unpacking all of them we will try and end this podcast by the way with an optimistic note because i don't <laughs> doom and gloom like, here so well, this, this is optimism because this is three <laughs> people saying you know we're not putting up with it anymore yeah that's basically. true this is Absolutely entirely solidarity. we just have to talk about the stuff that um that that you know the email said it it's not balanced well this is balanced yeah. This is all of the other side of the balance. Yeah. And it's not always totally. the side you, you hear less about in my yeah. I feel story time coming on with, with, with Dr. Jamie here, but I just wanted to get back to the point that we'd gone through one and two out of five, but we, we, we got sidetracked. We got to do the rest. Yeah. So uh might not work. And, and sorry, and for those who are oh, listening to this podcast rather than watching it on YouTube, I just want to assure you we're not like vaping flower while we're doing this. And that's why we forgot about three, four and five. Um, but sorry, Mitch, uh, what were you saying? <laughs> Is that one of the side effects? I don't think Jamie listed that. I'm not sure. Um, so, we, we, so, so, so might not work side effects. So basically just like any other drug, so like any other drug, it might not work. And there are side effects. Yep. So three, three um, the fact that we're even having this conversation, it, mm. I think would be a good you know, the fact that it's so illogical that, that people, you know, for virtually everything people could say that's a negative about it or something they don't like, I can probably give them a fairly good, balanced, reasonable, reasonable, logical, scientific explanation as to what happened. So a good one, for instance, is that I had THC when I was 17 and it was raining and I had a terrible time you know, had a really bad experience. It's like, sure. How much did you have? I don't know. Oh, what did you have? Well, I don't know. All oh, right. 
So you took an undefined amount of something that you don't know what it was and you're never going to touch it again because you had a bad experience. Yes? Great. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an analogy. If the first time you had had alcohol, someone gave you some fairly average hooch and you downed the whole bottle, mm. what, what would happen? Yeah, oh, exactly. I'd, I'd be sick. Oh, right. And you'd probably never drink again, would you? Mm. No, I wouldn't. Right. So when we give people large quantities of unregulated drugs mm. that might be full of poison in large quantities, bad things happen. So and I have to say it's, a, it's the perfect analogy because I hark back to some parties that Mitch and I attended in uh, high school. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we did overdo certain things that we would never dream of touching now, like, you know, Carlton cold, terrible beer. Um, no, that's like I use the exact same analogy. I'm like, let's go out to the bar and and have a shot of isopropyl. You know, it's like exactly, yeah. I think Mitch got on the passion pot back in the day, actually. But uh, anyway, um, but (laughs) just just keep that one to yourself, mate. It's true. It's very. It's hundred percent true. It's out there. (laughs) Um, but sorry. So there's also yeah. I I know we touched on it before, but I, I I'm just putting in again another shout out for anecdotal evidence. I mean, I just, I don't know how you override that, but. Um, so hold on, are you saying number three, was, is that stigma or? So- um, I think, what are we saying? The, the, the bad side of cannabis. So number three would be having to have discussions like this, <laughs> you know, yeah. having to point out simple, basic truths and logical facts about human existence that seem to be thrown out the window. I see. So like misinformation, misinformation and stigma and the, yeah. the, the power of totally, that. Yeah. But the bad side of cannabis is spending your life having silly conversations that aren't, don't make any sense when you look at the facts. Mm. So that's the bad side of cannabis well, is dealing with the stigma rather than the stigma itself. In Australia, I don't think people deal with that anymore in North America, for example. Well, no, at don't. least much less, if, if at all. But, but um, it's worth remembering the journey that Australia has been on, where we only, so Victoria, the Access to Medical Cannabis Act, the first state, that was 2016. So this is yeah. seemingly brand new in our recent, you know, kind of living memory. And so imagine being a doctor like yourself, Jamie, pre-2016. And we know some of the people who I genuinely um, deeply respect who who flew the flag before we even had the framework mm. who just wanted to help people and knew that they were up against it they didn't even have a legal mechanism under which to to write prescriptions and to give people access to to save products so you know that that's that's the the history right there recently totally i mean we can probably include a number three then um the fear that those of us who, who are doing it still have to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, because of people making unreasonable complaints that are based in, um, you know, they're not based in fact. And then those complaints going to organizations that then maybe have the same, like you said, the same kind of viewpoint. So they perpetuate something that's fundamentally flawed in the outset Yeah, is still being pushed forward. You know, psychedelics is a good one. I still feel a bit uncomfortable talking about it on web- webinars. And that's the old fear of, you know, this, you know, I'm a lot, but certainly two and a half years ago, when I started talking about it, I was really not very comfortable 
talking mm. about an article in the New England Journal of Medicine saying that psilocybin was more effective than escitalopram for depression. And I'm still worried about getting in trouble for that. that. That's, yeah. And I imagine things like the decision that came down from the TGA late last year to not down schedule, um, you know, for to, to schedule eight psilocybin and MDMA continues to stoke that fear because you're effectively you know, hearing from the medicines regulator, oh, no, 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 no. This is just for clinical trials and very small ones at that. And, you know, we do not want this getting out into, um, you know, mainstream prescribing practices in around the country. Not that that was ever touted as a likely outcome of the downshedding no. decision, but yeah, that, that would stoke the fear. And I, I know I just were full of praise for, we had Peter Hunt from Mind Medicine on, on the show and, He's doing great work, I think, you know, giving doctors um, a toolkit to, to be able to, when the time comes, you know, um, participate in, in this type of therapy. But what's interesting, though, Andrew, is that Peter Hunt, as, as lovely as he is, is also a very, very successful human being who does not have to deal with the wrath of certain institutions for saying things that may or may not be controversial. That's true. The, the people who want to use those medicines are fearful of the mm-hmm. wrath that might come on them for talking about it. Yes. That's, and that's, that's what I'm saying with number three. I think that for those of us who prescribe, there's still a fair amount of judgment, which can cause problems for us. Yeah. And the ill, the ill God logicality, yeah. the, the lack of logic, the lack of transparency, the lack of consistent rules across a regulatory framework puts us in, in a fairly vulnerable position. In fact, Mm. And then you have to exercise. I mean, like, you know, it's in my view, having seen the stigma that you see, particularly from I'm just I've got to say it because and I there is a reason why I, I think older people in the medical profession pump the fear and, and you know, have sort of created the stigma is because they've lived with the war on drugs longer than anyone else. And so. Yeah. It's conceivable to me that you as a you know, budding doctor trying to do your best for your patients, you know, are the subject of a complaint. That complaint makes its way to your medical board in whatever state or territory you're in. And if you have in that whole process, a group of people who are ideologically stacked against you, you might have an adverse outcome exactly. in, in terms of the way you, you sort of traverse through that system. And then what are your appeal options? And and the whole time, you know, you were just trying to do the best for your patients. But yeah, is that, I don't know if you guys agree, but I feel like that is a genuinely conceivable thing mm. that could happen to a doctor. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, if it has, I'm not sure we'd know about it, but certainly if that happened to you, you can keep your trap shut afterwards, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, let's refine three earlier the 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 fear this culture of fear this culture you know allow some of the comments that were made by another practitioner which you mentioned earlier andrew Mm. like you know there is a real aggression and there's a real malice against those of us who are doing it and talking about it and that is the negative side of it because we're not being given a fair go we're not Mm. just being allowed to get on with it there are people doing the wrong thing for sure. And that needs to be looked at. But again, it needs to be done within a, f- a framework of a fair system 
that you know you're well, innocent until proven guilty. What's the what's the big kind of deal in a sense? Why are there people that are so outspoken? Do you think against cannabis? Like, in, if in one mind, wouldn't you just kind of be like, you know, it, if I really thought it didn't work, and I'm a, a practitioner. Wouldn't I just kind of be like, yeah, it doesn't work. You can go, you know, give it a shot somewhere. It's snake oil, basically. Like, what's the... Well, I, th- that's, I think that's a really good point, Mitch. And I think it depends how vitriolic you've been about it. So if you're mm. just one of those guys, it's like, well, whatever. I don't think it's all, I think it's all rubbish, but you go and have a go if you want, you know. Mm. If you're that kind of doctor, you've got nothing to lose. Mm. Yeah. If you've been out there singing from the rooftops that we're all crackers and should all go to prison, and then it turns out that the human endocannabinoid system is basically the reason that a lot of people have chronic health conditions. And when we treat it, we fix it and they get better. And for MDMA to be able to cure PTSD and psilocybin in the right people, in all of this in the right people, because it doesn't work sometimes, cure depression, anorexia, substance abuse, smoking. It's very challenging for all those people to be downright wrong, having spent years wanting us all locked up because we're wrong or they're wrong. Mm. And at the moment, that's that set. We're toe to toe. Who's right? Who's wrong? And it, they're wrong. I can tell you they are wrong. And Well, I was going to say the results kind of just sort of speak for themselves in the sense they do. that you said exactly. at the start, it might not work for you, right? But for those who it does work for, that's great. And, yeah. you know, like I, I just, I, I can't believe the, you know, if, if you have people who have been approved for more than 90 medical conditions i mean it's it's yeah it, it is totally it yeah. totally ties into that on a human level what is the problem with prescribing an unregistered medicine for someone as long as you, can, you, you you don't break the rules which none of us do mostly we prescribe it appropriately because we're doctors and we value the fact we have a job so we can look after our kids and pay our mortgages yeah that isn't something that we take particularly lightly no, and that, that well, that's that. That's what's on the line when that's we talk on the line. about the field. Exactly. You know, that's your your yeah your ability to practice. Okay, yes. so let me in in some of the. Um, hold on, we still haven't got to to number four and five. Well, hold yet. on. So, but on a, but it, let me just go back because on a human level, we give someone a bit of CBD, a bit of THC, a bit of both. Maybe they vape it and they get better. Mm. And we have a problem with that. Yeah. It's that's what I find bad. So, okay, you hate the stuff. You hate me. You hate Mitch and Andrew. You hate us all. That's very common, by the way. <laughs> Everyone hates us. We're yeah. the most hated men in the world, right? Uh, but we give someone a balanced all and we change their life. So ignore the men you hate. What about the person whose life's just changed? You're going to take that off them because you, because what? You don't like the fact it works or you don't understand the physiology or there's not enough RCTs. You think it's a placebo? Like you think it's a placebo, but whatever, whatever, whatever they're saying, mm. they take, but that person is really happy. Yeah. And that person is feeling good for the first time in quite some time. Mm. And so that's what they leave, forget, right? Is that just leave it there, isn't it? Just let them be happy and be pain-free and sleep. Absolutely. You know, and and if you think otherwise about the cause of that person's positive outcome great but it, it really doesn't matter in the scheme of things and I, I guess yeah I just I, I look at you know what are the reasons why because I'm in a couple of those Facebook groups where people talk about 
their experiences taking medical cannabis. In my opinion, they're all, you know, it's a really honest account because you have people in there that say it didn't work for me. You have people saying, you know, been truly life-changing. And so you get a whole array of perspectives. And I think one of the reasons why people tend to, you know, be so glowing in their um, enthusiasm for the medicine on, on some occasions is because they're, treat, they're treatment resistant. They've, they've been living with something that hasn't had a medicine that, that could really help them for so long. You know, imagine, you know, and you see these people in your, your yeah. clinic, Jamie, you've helped them and they're just, you know, years and years and years of only achieving so much with conventional yeah. medicines. And then they try this and, and, and maybe it doesn't work. And if it does work, it can be so much better than what they've had to date. So they just want to get on and talk about that experience and who could take that away from them all the experience itself i mean this is i think this on a very human level <clears throat> forget everything else on the on a human level um why would you deny someone that that experience totally what what where what law or what thinking justifies that that's it, that that's the right thing to do because mm. i don't i don't see it personally no. um yeah and if you think even deeper because one of the major problems so we've talked we've what are we we said doesn't work side effects this this Stigma. being in this, this industry dealing with what we've all had to deal with the conversations we've all had to have which are just us being logical and scientific and you know and i know you guys have had them as well so that was number three right um you know, number four is maybe it's not number four yet, but this like when we think about being human and and allowing people to try something that maybe changes their life, but then people talk about this, the dark side of cannabis, dependence, abuse. Is that an inanimate plant's fault, mm. or is there something else going on? Because those same people might drink too much; they might use meth. They might be abusive to their partners because they they have trauma. They have serious problems because they've had a very difficult life. Yeah, and it, it seems to me more and more, even to say that you you know pound for pound go to Dan Murphy's. It's like, but but what you're speaking to is addiction. What you're speaking to is trauma and people having to try and manage their nervous systems in in with external substances because of what's happened to them. Mm. And, and so this whole thing about blaming the plant for something that is a problem in society, I don't know where I'm going with this, but do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I get what you mean. I would say that arguably, though, you could extend that to any drug. No, you can extend it. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Any drug. Mm. Totally. Mm. We have lots of really nasty street drugs that have a medical format. We've already talked about heroin. Mm. Methamphetamine. They have a medical format. Lignocaine. Xylocaine, mm. a very clever dentist, put cocaine on someone's tongue, on someone's gum, and realized it made them numb. Yeah. You know? So they, they thought, why is that happening? And they looked into it, and scientifically, it blocks the sodium channel in the membrane, so the nerve can't transmit. So the science of cocaine as a local anesthetic is because it blocks a sodium channel so it prevents depolarization and continuation so mm. you get no sensation so someone said oh can we adapt that and make it 
longer acting or shorter acting or more potent or less potent or injectable. And then they came up with local anesthetics. Yeah. So even, even that has its roots in what is considered a street drug. That's, it's amazing. I, I think yeah. I agree in the sense that, you know, the, the whipping boy, for want of a better term, is, is you know, the substance itself. Um, but as you say, there's, there's every patient has their own life that they've led up to that point, their own experiences, um, their own, you know, different reasons for approaching the consumption of, of their medicine or, you know, anything really is, it's just, it's totally variable and to kind of fix criticism just to the very thing that, that they're taking misses the mark by, by not accounting for that. Totally. Yeah. I have to do a special shout out to um, Lignocaine or Lidocaine, especially the spray version in a bottle after sunburn, um, especially in the Byron Bay region where you are. I've, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm very glad for the development of that one, but it was yeah. definitely for acute. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can find some cocaine to rub on it around. Here. <laughs> yeah, well, no I doubt. Didn't try right. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, on the gums though, no, I'm just kidding. Um, um, okay. So are we at four yet? Well, is we're it? starting on four. I'm not sure this is relevant for four, though, is it? Because all we're really saying is leave the plant alone and deal with some deeper issues in in society. Yeah, which is the theme of what we're saying, isn't it? Whether it's the institutions that approve medicines, the doctors within them that prescribe them, or the society that needs a reason to make it a whipping boy, mm. there are some remarkably, remarkably illogical, unscientific biased viewpoints that are coming through and all of that and Jung would love this right you know he, it would be shadow wouldn't it be mm. all the stuff all though for every finger you point there's five pointing back at you yes you know yes. and it's the shadow and I think that's very much what we're talking about that we are copying all of that coming our way but it's not actually us who are doing it it's where it's coming from that are the ones that are doing it they're yeah. being illogical. They're being unscientific. They're being biased. They're not looking at the facts and what's in front of them. They're sticking to a story that's been perpetuated for a few decades and has been undeniably proved to be utter rubbish. Mm. And in fact, nefarious. And we're not even going to go into that as about cotton and pharmaceuticals and hemp and why it happened. You know, it's so obvious once you look at the facts. Mm. but that's all those fingers are pointing back at us all the time you guys are really bad yeah and and it's it's you know we will let you participate in our system but you will participate only under our rules in our system we control absolutely everything and yeah it's it's this binary of approved unapproved and the consequences that flow from that and yeah, it's it's really it's so really... confusing. But sometimes even approved, as we talked about with opiates, approved, mm. especially in the US. But you know, FDA are pretty strict, TGA are probably a bit stricter. But nonetheless, approved, prescribed by GPs. Oh no, no, sorry, evidence is wrong. You can't prescribe it anymore. Mm. Oh, but that's the, that's the evidence that's there to protect us. That's the very point of the system that is a pillar of our therapeutic, you know, system that goes through the trials and it's safe and you approve it oh you mean that's not true that it can go through the trials and really not be that safe and in fact dangerous despite the trials 
oh well, well we wouldn't put it like that you know it's like well how would you put it then because that's essentially what's happened and i'm not saying anything about cannabis other than i was allowed to prescribe opiates for a long time and now i'm not yeah yeah and that, and that yeah absolutely the inconsistency is just there in plain sight to be seen out of interest has as a prescribing doctor what is the kind of current maybe we need to deep dive on specific um ssris but i wanted to just ask about ssris and what the the current medical literature or you know guidance that you have as a prescriber on on those um yeah i mean they they are prescribed a lot um i prescribe them uh, you know, my experience of them was that they're, they're great for some people, um, but certainly they're never really meant to be long-term. And I think that's what the evidence shows as well. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of people on them long-term. So, um, plus it's another good example of a, a cyst syndrome or a condition that didn't exist prior to the introduction of that medicine. Yeah, well, that, and that raises my sceptical well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no, I mean, let's, let's go back to cannabis. There's no CBD withdrawal syndrome. No, there's no THC withdrawal syndrome. I mean, sure. There's dependence and it gets a bit uncomfortable and maybe people have to deal with some difficult feelings, but <laughs> I've also never heard somebody link suicidal ideation to cannabis use. Right. Exactly. I like, and I just, I think about, you know, you're prescribing something for someone's mental health and one of the side effects may include suicidal ideation. I mean, that, that just doesn't stack at all for me. I, I can't even fathom that. Well, also no. the lethal dose, the, like, you know, try to find that in cannabis. It's uh, pretty Toxicity difficult. of medical cannabis. How many, is that? Well, there there is any, is there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no, there no... isn't. There are no receptors in the lungs or the heart or the brainstem. Mm. So you, you basically can't die of a cannabis overdose. Yeah, well, I think that's also, that... it's sufficiently expensive enough it's <laughs> too expensive to die yeah you'd have well, to they, be gina reinhardt to um i think they've that. tested they have there's a i can't remember the exact figure but i worked it out and it was some kind of milligram per kilogram of cbd that you would have to have in order to get some beginning of some serious a thousand a thousand milligrams per kilogram body weight is still safe you could drink 10 grams worth of cbd and be safe yeah so you're talking i've tried i've tried 50 bottles <laughs> yeah well i mean and thc i think also it, uh, i don't quote me on this one but 800 milligrams per kilo it's huge you'd be asleep before you got anywhere close oh yeah 100 yeah. I, I mean you can watch on youtube uh, we were watching the other day a guy do a i think 2.7 gram dab <laughs> of thc which at which was at 80 or 90 percent you know strength and whilst he looks definitely worse for wear by the end of it um he was not dead i mean it was pretty um, much like a one starting of point of, <laughs> yeah it's like one of those videos of somebody just you know necking a bottle of vodka or something like yeah that. Like it's just well that's like, actually more dangerous yeah probably is. i mean i would say that that is um not in the spirit of what we're trying to achieve medically so i would absolutely i, I would ordering argue on a bit stupid to be yeah. fair yeah. however being stupid is not a crime yeah, correct. I, but I, I do have to say, when you know, having spent some time in North America, um, working in cannabis over there, the um, the, the the Americans can push it. They can definitely push it to the point where it feels like the equivalent of 
the heroin of cannabis, if that makes sense, you know, like just this super form of cannabis that is just so far removed from the original kind of intention that it's like, oh, okay, I I get why this is, yeah. people. It's a bit Wild Westy. I mean, one of the things, it's not a bit Wild Westy, it is the Wild West. One of the things I suppose I actually do like about the Australian system is apart from all the stuff we've talked about, but (laughs) we are proving that it's a medicine. And there are a lot of very clever, very skilled people in this country devoting themselves to to working it out and prescribing it and providing it. And they're not doing it in that vein. There there are no bongs in, you know, that's not what we're talking about. Um, And I think that's where Australia is doing a great thing, more so than the US, because we're really using it as a medicine. And this is not taking away anything recreationally, but I just think what we're doing is great because there is no evidence. So how else do you do it? The only way to do it is the way the TGA are doing it. You know, that's really, that's to get it registered or some kind of registration, whether that's ARTG or something else that hasn't been invented yet. Mm. Um, But you know what I mean? So we're doing it right and we're doing it the right way. And those of us who are authorized or reporting, you know, we're feeding things back. There's there's an enormous movement of people doing this. Yeah, despite that, we still have to deal with the comments that we started this conversation with. Yeah. And the people making the comments. Have you looked at what it, you know, how you become an authorized prescriber? This ain't no headshot, mate. It's not working yeah. in with 20 bucks and, you know, yeah, I can spike 10 grounds, dude. Can I prescribe? It's, yeah. that's, not, that's not what we're doing. Far from it, in fact. Yeah. You know? Ethics so, committees. You ethics know, committees. Whole, yeah. Report, yeah. So the very nature of those comments is disrespectful and uninformed. Yeah. And it goes in one of the major newspapers of our country and it's acceptable, which yeah. harks back to three. It's not acceptable. It is not acceptable mm. on any, any level. And yeah. if one of us did that, it would be over. Full yeah. Well, it, it's sort of as ignorant and reckless in my view as a doctor getting that platform and then saying CBDQ is everything. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's like, it is that's, like, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. If one of yeah. us, if we were making those, we were throwing those hand grenades around, we'd be in big trouble, quick mm. smart. But if you're the dean of a college, it seems you can be as illogical and, and biased as you like. Yeah. You can put it in a national newspaper and everyone goes, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Because if that is wrong for me, it's wrong for him. If it's wrong yeah. for you, it's wrong for him. Mm. Yeah. That's See, the point that we're making that you can't be selective about the rules. The rules is the rules. Yeah. So you obey them. doesn't matter who you are. Well, I, I expect I know the answer given how widely maligned and hateable we all are. Um, so detestable. <laughs> yeah. so detestable, we're all dressed we, in black tonight yeah. as well. <laughs> so detestable Bastard. that we are, I suspect. Uh, Professor I, I forgot my Ray. death re- reaper scythe. <laughs> I, I suspect Michael is not uh, listening to our podcast, but if he is, uh, Michael, you are welcome to, um, you know, come on to uh, the podcast anytime. We'd, we'd genuinely be interested in hearing from you, but um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't come on, so, uh, you know, be listening to something as biased as this. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. We just totally one-sided this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Mitch, uh, did you cash that check today from all our sponsors? I think that would have, that should have come in. Yeah. It was minus a hundred dollars. Oh, well, in the interest of seeing out these five points, I'm just wondering if there, is there a fifth, fourth and fifth point or 
of the the harm or the sorry the negative. No, I think I think we'd gotten to five, if I recall. So there was. It feels like we're it about might 10. not work. <laughs> Side effects. <laughs> Side effects. Jamie didn't let us know there was there's one, two, three, three point five, three point seven, three point nine, <laughs> four, and then five. Mate, we can keep going to twelve if you want. No, but it's well, a, <laughs> where we got one and two. What was what was three? The being on stigma. the receiving so end if, of stigma. if you're a patient, what are the what are the five the five negatives? You you might, you know, it might not work for you. You might have side effects. You might receive stigmatization or you know, judgment from other people in the community, something like that. Not cheap um, enough. Yeah, expensive. It is expensive. Expensive. Yeah. Totally expensive. Could yeah. change. Really, actually, sort of not that expensive when you think about how much you need. Um, mm. And compared to maybe buying it, you know, buying some moonshine. Mm. Yes. Not, not much different, really, mm. in price now. So, yeah. um, also, who not free, alcohol? I suppose. Let's stick to the bashing cannabis. It's not free. <laughs> Yeah. Bastards. Also, who equates you know <laughs> alcohol on a pound for pound basis? I mean, seriously, like, are we talking Hill of Grace? Uh, are we talking Grange, or you know, what, what's um, or we, you know, like, let's talking- let's get let's get scientific, Andrew. In my long experience of observing people drink, it's not pound for pound. I've seen very large men fall over with not much, and very little women drink far more than they should be able to. Yeah. So certainly a pound-for-pound pound analogy is unscientific and illogical and pays yeah. no no yeah. respect to genetics, tolerance, and liver function. Well, beyond- I should expect no more from uh, the person that made those comments. It was the doctor. who's supposed to know everything. <laughs> but beyond everything. that, we, we, don't, we don't value alcohol in the same way that we're valuing cannabis at the moment in terms of, um, you know, you, you don't pay for a bottle of booze based on the alcohol content true that's that's not what you're choosing so you're not choosing oh this one's got uh 13 this one's got 14 percent. let's go the 14 percent because it's, it's stronger or otherwise we would be actually buying ice yeah like cents per mil, you know megs whatever you want to you know like it's yeah it's, it's anyway um so yes it's, you're, you're, you're buying it for the effect for the for the taste for the at least in alcohol. And, and I think the, the same is, is, is you can make that comparison to some degree with cannabis in terms of people wanting an outcome, although it might be more expensive in some cases. And even within cannabis, different types of, or brands or, or, or what have you um, that you're well, paying. Gets, yeah. Sorry, you go. No, that's all right. I was just going to say, you're just paying for a different type of outcome as a result to, yeah. you know, than a, you know, 20 pack of uh, your favorite benzos. Right, I got I got a fifth one potentially, which I just want to ask about. Is it fair to say that medical cannabis might adversely interact with other medications that someone could be on? Um, theoretically, <clears throat> mm. yes, of course it could. Of course it could. We know that the major way that drugs interact, really, that we worry about in medical practice. There's some there's some interesting stuff around sort of cancer treatments, immunotherapy, and maybe how CBD can block that, which, you know, in that case, don't use CBD when they're on those treatments, full stop. And that's what the immunologists and the oncologists will tell us about once they once they know for sure. Um, <clears throat> there's a, the CYP450, which is the liver enzymes, which is the major one for CBD because it is an inducer. So if someone's on warfarin, for instance, um, and as much as we haven't got much data, 
there have been some fairly hefty doses given to people who were on warfarin sort of case studies elephant doses and it it, it was theoretical and yeah. i've got to say that in all of my years of prescribing and managing warfarin it's been very rare for me to see it change due to other drugs or what people eat so you know these are very valid scientific and theoretical considerations when prescribing medicines but in the real world how does it play out which i'm just speaking from my experience so with warfarin i haven't seen it play out um with other drugs i haven't seen any interactions that i need to, to worry about mm. and i do say this to patients and i often you know it's a bit of an anecdotal comment but cannabis doesn't really have any enemies mm pretty much gets on with most people and most drugs that we prescribe and it makes Except pain specialists well yeah the enemies <laughs> it, it's cannabis doesn't pick fights it's the other way around yeah, yeah. absolutely All that's right. for sure I, no so okay so in summary you know in the spirit of a fair and balanced discussion on this wonderful topic that uh, you know produces so many strong opinions we can say that in presenting that other side it might not work for you. Okay. Well, that's sort of just in an indifferent kind of outcome, um, a neutral outcome, shall we say, yep. you still have the same medical condition as you did when you tried it. You know, so, uh, side effects, um, include eating a whole strawberry cheesecake. Uh, <laughs> so, uh no but in all, i, don't I feel like it. we've repeated these five it's like jamie's five commandments now it's turning yeah. into like yeah <laughs> um say, yeah. say them all again from the top end no, so okay number three the fear and stigma <laughs> number four is the the pricing how expensive it can be and five um a rare chance of bad interaction with other theoretically but not theoretically. Really. but again that's a bit neutral because it goes with one and two, which is it might not work and you might get side effects. Yeah. You might interact. So that actually applies to anything you prescribe. It's yeah. probably, vibes probably access, like un figuring out how the hell to do it is, yeah, is half the battle for, for people. And I think, do you know what? That's a good point, Mitch. And I think that's where the lottery comes in because I think a lot of people are interested. Um, and a lot of people, it takes them quite some time to come up with the courage to talk to their doctors about it. Mm. you know to the point that i say to patients oh you know dr x at that practice prescribes you know and they're like mm. oh well no i didn't know that you know because they're not even you know some of them are too scared to even ask and then yeah. so if they do eventually sum up the courage to ask their doctor they get one of two reactions really yes or no and for a lot of people it's still no and a lot of people who have complex chronic health conditions, one of the things they value most in this world is their relationship with their GP. Mm. And when their GP makes them feel like a piece of shit for asking about cannabis, they're never going to ask again. Yeah. Because they value that relationship more than finding out if cannabis will work for them. And then even if they, if they get a a lottery ticket that at least provides them with access. They have a doctor that says, yeah, you've been treatment resistant to a few things. Let's, let's give it a try. Yeah. Um, then it's not like they get the prescription and can just roll up to a pharmacy and, and get the product. I mean, 
maybe if they're sort of at a vertically integrated clinic and dispensary model, but usually for most people, they have to wait for that medicine to arrive at their community pharmacy that they pick it up from. I mean, so there's just this kind of, it's, it's, it's waiting and waiting mm. just to, to get access to something that could really help them. Totally. But I think it's a bit of a lottery. I think that's what we're getting at, right? Because mm. if people end up here and they <clears throat> bring the right paperwork and they, you know, they present well and it's all good, which I might add is the vast majority of human beings that I encounter are not trying to do one over. They're not trying to get stoned. They're not trying to sell it. They just want some help. You know, <clears throat> they don't all need to be treated with suspicion because they're asking for cannabis, you know. Um, but if they do, there are those of us who've worked out. I can tell you every single day, I still have people saying, Jesus, I didn't know you could even do this last week. Mm. Let alone being meeting people like me who do it right and then try and facilitate their experience. Because again, that's not cannabis dependent. That's good. That's good customer service. Any business any service you meet someone nice they treat you well you know you order a tv you don't wait 10 weeks for the bloody thing do you no. mostly you take it home with you that day and if you have ordered it online you've got the shits if it's not there seven days later totally. you know, that's just customer Absolutely. service so mm. there's a whole load of us who've understood that to run a successful business you have to provide a service and that's what we do um, and unfortunately that is so rare in this country still really despite the mushroom clouding that's happened with you know clinics and doctors it's still the your odds are really stacked against you to yeah. have an enjoyable experience that's smooth where you're given the appropriate prescription and then i think the other thing as well that's a bit sad is people more and more people dabbling and starting cbd and giving someone 10 milligrams bd twice a day and nothing happening and then everyone writing it off and it's like what would you think what did you think was going to happen with 10 milligrams twice a day yeah you know 130 kilo man who's on 20 bd of oxycontin 300 lyrica and some endo and you thought 10 milligrams of cbd would cut it mm. that's fine because they don't know but when they don't know and they prescribe and then those that's two people lost because the doctor doesn't believe it anymore and the patient doesn't but actually yeah they're just not being treated properly which yeah. sort of then ties back to the medical profession thing. Just because you can prescribe it doesn't mean you know what you're doing. Mm. That's a really good point. I, I think about the lost patients who might have been prescribed a bad product, but we don't think about the the lost doctor as well. That's really, um, yeah, quite uh, quite salient because you know they're taking a risk to just even put themselves out there and write a prescription. But if they don't know, well, they're not. They're not though, really. I mean, that's the point. This, this, they're taking a risk because of what we've been talking about, the perception of what we're doing, which is the disadvantage of doing this. What, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's tiger country. You know what I mean? There's people with nukes and hand grenades left, right and centre that just want to blow us up. But mm. actually, we get permission from our federal government to prescribe a therapeutic good that's even though it's unregistered for a named condition, that has failed first line. There's nothing risky about that. No. nothing whatsoever selling them Ill illegally giving them five grams of flour on day one taking the piss you're probably going to get in trouble mm. and you probably should yeah it should but be. the reality is there's no yeah. risk if it's prescribed appropriately and you've gone through the right regulatory hurdles there shouldn't be a single risk and as we started before we would 
recording i am dealing with situations where i i, I haven't done anything wrong yeah. at all and i'm dealing with a system that would love it that i have done something wrong and therefore wants to find it yeah basically and i i, I would love to hear a little bit more about that if you're happy to share if not Let's just say it's a, it's a, we can say as much as it's someone with a hand grenade who wants to throw it at me because they don't like what I'm doing. Mm. And that is their, that is, as Jung would say, their shadow. That's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with the Jung um, analogy, actually. It's, it's yeah, beautifully uh, put because it, it's this, yeah, it's, it's somebody else's axe to grind. They've got the problem, but there is always a risk with somebody who does have an axe to grind that by just pure chance, the system stacks in, in their favor. But I, I would like to think that um, appropriate, you know, appeal options would be available in the unlikely event of, of, you know, having a whole bunch of people with the same ideological bent. Um, I I mean, I think there's a lot of people who've been given a hard time in recent years Mm. over this. I know, you know, colleagues have told me what they've been through too. So it's not new in it, but most of the time it doesn't like you're saying it doesn't really come to anything. Yeah. It's just a little, it's just a little pissing contest really, isn't it? It's just, you know, mm. it's a little bit yeah, of and flexing it, it, and we don't like what you're doing. And, but it's, but, it, but that just ties back to the same thing. Why not do some reading, talk to us. Yeah. You know, you'll find that actually with actually all really good people who've understood that this, this is basically very, very safe yeah. and very, very effective. And therefore we wish to continue prescribing it mm. in the right way for the right people. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Anything beyond that is it's it's shadow, it's bullying, it's yeah. unacceptable, and it, it it's not acceptable anymore. It also it just adds to, to your workload to have to be responsive to, you know, complaints that have no substantiate, you know, no evidence to substantiate anything. It, it's, yeah, it, it is just so annoying that, you know, doctors like yourself who are actually just trying to help people. I mean, how many complaints to the HCCC did you ever write about doctors who were quite liberally prescribing opioids 10 years ago? You know, like it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, uh, no. Well, it, I mean, it gets in that. I mean, that also is a deeper question, isn't it? Because <clears throat> um, what would drive you to do that? What would drive me to do that? Mm. You know, I believe in communication and I believe in working things out. So if I had a problem with something that someone was doing, I would pick up the phone and have a chat with them. Yeah. Or I'd write them an email. And if they then wrote back and said, bleep, 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 you're a bleep, 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 bleep. And I'm going to bleep, bleep, bleep. And then I'm going to murder you. Then I'd, then I'd probably make a complaint about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I like that reasonable. there is at least a complaint threshold here. There's a complaint, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, it's it depends not, on the bleeps. Well, it's exactly. like how many bleeps? Exactly. It depends yeah. on the bleeps. But you know what I mean? Like there's a, it's part of this whole thing, this whole sort of really dark, strange, nebulous entity, let's call it, that we're all dealing with whilst trying to, bring these medicines through on a much mm. larger scale what mm. uh, <clears throat> and we've called it unconscious stigma we've called it shadow but it's really bad really actors. bad actors i call yeah. it bad actors i know there are people genuinely in our 
you know, in the, in the, the, the landscape that are doing things just clearly in bad faith. And I don't know what their incentive structure is, but they have to stare in the face of, you know, good evidence against what they're doing and they still proceed to act the way that they do. I'm like, well, you're a bad actor. Yeah, but it's probably the same thing that drove Nixon. Mm. You know, the same thing that that drove the men off their land in the US, you know, back at the turn of the, la- the previous century before the last one. You know, like mm-hmm. this is what I'm sort of trying to bring attention to. What is this horrible thing that gets into people that makes them believe that they can behave like this towards those of us who aren't actually doing anything wrong? Because yeah. we're not. And there's nothing wrong with this plant, really. Uh, and we've talked about the negatives. <clears throat> Medically, you want to talk about the negatives on the recreational side. That's not what this talk is about. But we can also openly talk about dependence and addiction mm. and, and all that stuff. We can openly talk about that as well, because it's true. Mm. Yeah. It happens, not infrequently. We can talk about the crap people are smoking when they buy it off the street and all the poisons that are in it and how we're not protecting people from from that in any way really by having prohibition you know so there's all this kind of other it's like what is it what's this really dark horrible thing that drives people to act in these fairly violent ways towards their colleagues and other human beings because they don't like what they're doing mm, you know? and and, and uh, i think i was saying before we jumped on that you know in the the legal profession we have actually professional conduct rules that say that you have to treat another legal practitioner with respect. Now, I know that for some listeners, they might be sort of laughing and thinking the lawyers ever do that. But in, in all seriousness, you know, I always in the line of work that I've ever been in, just can't even fathom, you know, openly being rude and aggressive to, to someone like it, it's, it's just not, a, you know, it's not the way we, we should behave professionally. And mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs when, when people, you know, are willing to, to genuinely behave like that in the, in, in their line of work. It's terrible. What is it that you're so angry about? Mm. What, what that, cause it's real vitriol. It's real murderous rage. You know, it's Mm. really, really profound. Yeah. It's like, what, because of cannabis, really? That's what's led to your feelings about cannabis have led you to be this kind of a human being. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I think there's something else going on here. Yeah, totally. Like, would you feel that same level of raw emotion that caused you to make a complaint against another GP? If you were driving in a field and you just saw cannabis out the window of your car, like, does that plant stir so much, you know, kind of rage inside you that it's yeah it's, exactly because that's yeah. the point andrew that that rage that's inside you we've talked about some comments that were made by other professionals we've alluded to what's going on here i've alluded to it happening with other colleagues that rage mm. that absolute rage i'm going to destroy you mm. i'm going to take away your ability to make a living that's how angry i am that you've prescribed this for someone yeah that's got nothing to do with cannabis no, and, and, and the fact that that's being missed on a on this level in our society, that it, to me is much more of a problem. Yeah, well, I, I have to say, I mean, there there is some very small amount of comfort that I take that a lot of these 
bad actors or who I would consider to be bad actors in the, in the space are generally, as I said earlier, they're, you know, people that have lived with the stigma and the, you know, the propaganda for longer than, than you or I have uh, with Nixon's war on drugs. And they're going to leave the profession sooner than you will. Um, and, you know, I, I do take a bit of comfort in that, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm also, we're talking about stuff that's the subject of, you know, fairly intensive psychoanalysis to get to the, the roots of these this rage in people, you know. Mm. So it's indicative of a fairly, I think what I think what we've probably really confirmed tonight is that we have a fairly sick society mm. that doesn't really have logical rules and treat all with equality of fairness and logic and science and compassion. Um, and cannabis is really a very good way for that shadow and vitriol to be legitimately pointed at innocent people. Mm. So rather than punching me in the face and getting a criminal record, they can do it a different way. Mm. And, and then, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that bloody cannabis. Do you know what I mean? So the behavior is being excused because of the stigma that's still semi being accepted. And that, that's the problem, I think. Yeah, totally. And, and it's, um, yeah, they know that even, yeah, even when you have a situation where you've done nothing wrong, there's nothing really, you know, for anyone to, to see, you will, you will always be able to rely, um, rely on people's stigma and fear about cannabis when you raise problems about what somebody who is involved with cannabis is doing. Exactly. You know, it's it's leveraging that 50, 60 years of stigma yeah. and using it as an underpinning of your, you know, kind of baseless complaint. That's all you, you've got. That's all you're sort of leaning on. But anyway. Um, I think we've nailed it, haven't we? That's the yeah. psychology. It, yeah. That's how they get away with what is inexcusable behavior in any other any other situation. Yeah. So they want to behave inexcusably. They're full of rage. And so they, they use the plant as a vehicle to express that and attack people knowing mm. full well that they're not actually going to get in trouble because it's controversial. Yeah. Well, you know, but we covered some ground here tonight. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I just, I say their days are numbered, um, you know, cause we are just year on year, I think getting to a better place. We're in a better place now than we were five years ago, for example. Mm. Right. So we're, we're making a lot of progress, but uh, really do appreciate chatting. I did promise, I think, midway through that I'd end on a, on a sort of an optimistic note. I sort of, that's the best I've got is that it's better now than five years ago. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, our audience understands that um, there are some wonderful cannabis doctors around Australia. We're talking to one of them right now. Um, and, you know, it's... Things will get better, but uh, we appreciate you breaking down all the barriers and being prepared to, uh, you know, have a very honest and candid discussion about uh, not only the bad actors, but also reasons why somebody might not actually get something out of medical cannabis. So hopefully that's fair and balanced enough for all of our alt-med critics, um, all the people that hate us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Troves of them. Any final word from you, Mitch or Jamie? I, well, I was just going to thank Jamie for coming on and, and sharing yeah. his time yet again. So, um, 
yeah, thanks for for sharing your insights and wisdoms from the coalface as you uh, treat so many people across, um, well, I, I would say actually across the country for for things that otherwise they receive very you know negative or you know hands off approaches from other doctors they've been to. So yeah, agree. Thanks, guys. It's been another awesome chat, and yeah. um, the world. Um, yeah, I don't know if the world's a better place for it. Yeah, but... I was going to say that's sounding pretty grandiose there, but yeah, yeah. sure. It's. I hope um... it's been cathartic. Uh, <laughs> it's been cathartic. And I've yeah. just really, I've really enjoyed sitting here as the three dark lords of, of <laughs> medical cannabis. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sort of the, you know, the mic drop moment now is when I reveal that all three of us are actually the real bad actors in the system. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's that's how some people might see it i don't know but um but no i i really appreciate you coming on jamie and yeah really a pleasure to chat to you we might do a round three we'll we'll, we'll come let's, up let's yeah we'll save that one for a bit of <laughs> give you a break for now but we appreciate it just store up some hand grenades and come back yeah, in a few yeah, months yeah, yeah. that's actually what well, just write down each anecdote as they come through every time you've been uh you know yelled yeah. at and we can go through them one by one yeah, sounds good. Nice All one, right. guys. Thank no you. No worries. Thanks so much, Amy. Till next time. Take care. Till next time. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye.